Hey friends, welcome to the Wild and Free podcast, where we combine our love of great coffee with an even greater purpose, to make a difference in the lives of those affected by human trafficking. I'm Twyla, owner of Wild Ginger Coffee and host of these life-changing conversations. Today on the podcast, we are chatting with Jen and Phil Snell from Hope Ministries in Brazil. Um, Hope Ministries is our sister organization. As many of you know, a portion of our proceeds go directly to them. Um, Jen hails originally from Cambridge, Ontario, and Phil from the UK. They met in Nigeria, volunteering for a primate sanctuary, and now live in Drompasoa, Brazil, with their two children. Um, Jen and Phil have been all over the place. <laughs> Um, and I think you're really going to love hearing their journey uh, to where they are now. Um, they are raw and real, and they are some of the most entertaining people that I've ever met. And I know that you're going to love getting to know them and hearing more about their hands-on involvement with the lives of women in and exiting the sex industry in Brazil. So sit back and relax and enjoy today's conversation. Welcome. I am so pumped that you guys are here and that we're finally getting to have this conversation. Um, we met in kind of a random way in my basement through mutual friends watching your um, award-winning documentary about what you're doing in Brazil. You know, shameless plug. Um, <laughs> and never thought that we would be sitting here or that we would kind of be like sister organizations. I always yeah. think of it a lot like family. Anyway, tell us a little bit about yourselves and yeah where you came from where you are <laughs> well it's a long story no um the the short version is that we are married obviously uh we have two kids luke and faith who are teenagers uh we met in africa and before we were missionaries before we were christians and we have now been living in brazil as missionaries for nine almost nine years jen's originally yeah. from canada I'm from the UK. Right, from Cambridge, which is like... Exactly. Is there, yeah. is there a Cambridge in the UK also? I was oh, thinking yeah. that. I was, yeah. And I was like, so not Cambridge, UK. The original no. Cambridge. Yeah, the original. The original. Yeah, we basically just copy everything you guys do. That's pretty bad. London, Cambridge, yeah. <laughs> so tell us a little bit how um, Hope Ministries came to be. I know that when you went to Brazil in the first place, like this was not... The plan at all so why women in the sex industry what happened okay well, we first came to brazil with a church planting organization in the north of the country and we were there for several years just working and just learning how to be missionaries learning language just kind of getting used to stuff um we helped out there was a church planting thing going on there that we were working with but then we felt the call to move and god kind of directed us to a place called rombasoa in the northeast of brazil um, again, we thought we were coming here to plant a church, mm -hmm. uh, but even on the way... That's how he gets here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we, we drove here in, a, in an old, well, not that old, but in a Volkswagen oh, combi bus, uh, 2,000 kilometers, yeah. Yeah. in a hot bus. Very hot. Uh, but on the way here, Jen felt pretty clearly that she heard from God saying that, if you trust me, I want to do something different. A new thing. Yeah. So. Mm -hmm. So when we got here, um, we were part, there was a small group 
that was supposed to be kind of the little kernel that was going to be this church plant. Uh, but very shortly after we got here, they um, they all left. <laughs> Not anything to do with us. Various different life situations, and they weren't from here originally. It wasn't you, it was me. Yeah, it was not you, it's me. It was one of those situations. Uh, yeah, and so they all they all left, and we found ourselves completely alone. Um, and so we really had no choice but to get on our knees and say, okay, God, well, our plan didn't work out, so what's yours? Uh, mm-hmm. And so over the you know a few months of getting to know the city and all the rest of it, um, we started to see women who worked in prostitution on the streets. Um, during the day as well as at night. Um, and really, I, my heart, every time we passed them, I was just, my heart was broken for them. I just kept, I kept hearing in my head, like I kept thinking like those women are somebody's daughter. Like they're, the only difference between me and them is is what family they were born into, what's, what's happened to them. Like that's really the only difference between me and them. And, uh, and God really started to speak to me like, yeah, those are my daughters actually. Um, and I didn't know if Phil was feeling the same way. And then we started talking about it and started realizing, okay, I think this is what God's pointing us at. Um, and so that's kind of how it started. Yeah, we, well. Four years ago. This yeah. Week. I started looking, when we both realized we were both feeling the same way, we thought, okay, clearly God's doing something. Mm. So then I thought, well, I better look in, is there somebody else in the city doing the same, doing this kind of work that we could join in with? So I had to tell Jen, I said, hey, just a heads up. Um, if you look in the history on the computer, it says prostitution, drama, <laughs> so, uh, just so you know. Doing some research. Yeah. So just Full disclosure. Just yeah. yeah, exactly. So I looked on there, and there was absolutely nothing on there for anybody doing this kind of work. But then something came up in a city a couple of hours away called Shores of Grace. It's great. And uh, it's an American couple that run that. So we contacted them, and they invited us over to, to come and see how they do things and what they did. And we went to see them, and we spent a weekend there with them guys out on the street, and realized, yeah, this is exactly what we're supposed to be doing. What we're supposed to do. Can Can you just tell the? I didn't warn you about this, but tell the little story about the note that you left the first interaction that you had with, ah, with the girls, because it's like right. my so favorite. When <laughs> we were when we were kind of praying, so we were really one of the things that we threw like to leave it really strongly is that we don't want to do anything that the father's not pointing us at doing. Mm-hmm. So we pray about what are we supposed to do? How are we supposed to do it? When are we supposed to do it? And one of the things I kept hearing was that we were supposed to go down to the streets kind of before the girls got there and leave something for them. And I kept hearing like a letter and I thought, letter? Like, what am I going to just write? Like, oh, my name's Jen. And does it, what kind of letter? While we were at Shores of Grace, they were talking about, well, when we go to the street, we don't generally take anything with us, but sometimes we might take, like, roses, or we might take this this letter. Sometimes we use the Father's Love Letter. Do you know it? And I was like, do I know? Yes, I know it. Um, and for those of you who don't know, the Father's letter, Love Letter is, like, a collection of scripture written like a love letter from God. And so I was like, that's the letter. That's what we're supposed to leave. So we printed off a bunch of letters. Phil figured out how to, like, fold them into the shape of hearts. And um, we, we wrote, you know, just open here. And the first thing they read when you open it up, it says, you may not know me, but I know everything about you. And mm-hmm. so we left those hanging in the places that we had seen the girls standing uh, for them to find when they, when they got to the street that day. So, well, and that so first good. time we went down, yeah. we, we went really early and tied them all up there. And then a couple of hours later, we went down to the street. And you actually, actually came across some of the girls. You could see that opened the letter up and then started reading. Some of them were actually starting to sort of cry and clear up. Yeah. So, so. 
it laid a good foundation for us to start. I think that's, yeah, I think that's so, like, beautiful. It was something that, like, somebody is looking out for me. I don't have any idea who they are yet, which is very much often our experience with God before we <laughs> come to him is, like, you don't realize that there's, you know, someone really looking out for you and caring and seeing every every part of you. And, like, the fact that you guys just walk down there and you're like, oh, no, it's going to happen. We're just going to do this. And then we're going to walk up while they're reading them. That could have really backfired. But it obviously like the timing and, um, and I mean I guess so through that you would have you know instead of to get to know the girls and build relationships out of that and so I guess just what I'm curious about is what does prostitution and, and the sex industry look like in Brazil because it's very different depending on where you are in the world and, and what the situation is so can you explain a little bit about what that's like specific to where you are in, in Brazil? Well the, the girls that we work mostly um, the area that we're working in these girls work during the day, which is one of the unusual, you know, people mm -hmm. find that a bit strange. Yeah. Even here, people find out strange yeah. that they work during yeah. the day. And, and here yeah. in Brazil, prostitution is actually illegal. So right. that changes a lot of it as well, because the girls that we know, none of them have pimps. They all just work right. on their own. Um, so that's one of the big differences. Is so we don't, we haven't come across people that would you'd say would be trafficked per se. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, been, depending on the definition. Yeah, the definition of yeah. It's a fine line, so it's it hard is. to... Exactly. <laughs> they've not been abducted yeah. by somebody right. who's forced to work on the street, yeah. but they end up in situations where they really feel like they have absolutely no choice. The choice for somebody right. has no choices. So in that okay. terms, they right. are somewhat trafficked because they feel they... Unfortunately, through situations of abuse and things that's happened in their lives, mm -hmm. they really do believe that that's all they can do. They believe they can, you know, either, well, I can do this or I could steal drugs or I could, you know, rob people. So it's kind of the lesser of those three. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Choices is what they, is what they feel. Mm -hmm. So what does that mean then for, for them and the situation for the women? Like what are some of the recurring narratives that you would hear about, um, you know, how they find themselves on the streets or how they come to these desperate where they are at the place where they are like i have no other option what yeah. is this kind of what does this mean for for that well 99 percent of them i would say um have children they're mothers they're single mm. mothers um or they're in they're in a relationship but it's usually not a very good one mm -hmm. uh sometimes it's abusive some of them are married they actually have a husband who's at home doesn't know what they're doing um, and so a lot, most of them, there's a severe lack of education. Mm. Uh, they might, you know, some of them have like a grade four, maybe grade five, six education. So they didn't go to high school. They got pregnant young. Uh, they're coming from a family where there is a cycle of poverty. Um, mm. and so they're, they, they're coming already into it with very few choices in life. Yeah. Um, and then usually what happens is somebody invited them there. So a cousin, a sister, a mother, we have actually um, a mother and two daughters that we know um, on the street that all, they all work together. Um, so a lot, most of them end, end up there because somebody said, well, they know they're in a desperate situation. They say, hey, well, you can make such and such amount of money if you, if you come down to the street. Unfortunately, the cycle they're in, they really don't see any other option for work. Right. And yeah. and yeah, a lot of it's lack of Especially education. for the amount of money. 
yeah. that they would make. Like, for example, um, a minimum salary in Brazil is a thousand reais, which works out to be about right now two hundred fifty dollars a month. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I mean, I'm trying to give you a like relatable. I guess it's almost like yeah. making a thousand dollars a month in Canada. It's pretty low, right? right? Yeah. Um, yeah, and you know they'll pay three hundred, four hundred a month in rent, and then they have to buy food on top of that. Whereas working in prostitution, you know they might be able to make twice that or three times that, depending on you know. And then you've got people that are working kind of in the more high class, you know. Well, they also um, know the other part of when they invite their friends into it is they can make more money when they're younger. Yeah, the younger they are, the more money they make. And then, so then. They start off in this thinking, a lot of them come in thinking, I'll just do this for a little while just to get some Always. money and then I'll, you know. <laughs> and I think that's probably global, that yeah. kind of, I'll just do it for a little yeah. while. Not understanding the, the trauma it's going to cause, the, the PTSD mm. you're going to suffer from it. The, it's like quicksand, I think, if you think yeah. about it that way. Yeah. I think, you know, I'll just go in for a bit. You can't dip your toe in the quicksand. You, you mm-hmm. just get pulled down under. And then the cycle continues because they, they'll start, a lot of them will smoke uh, like weed just to kind of relax themselves before they go to work. Mm-hmm. So then they start to smoke more and more and then that's not doing the job properly so then they have to start going on to harder drugs and then they've got to, mm-hmm. then they create a habit and then they've got to support that habit so they have to keep working. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and then also the fact that they, they never get any kind of moral support or encouragement that mm-hmm. they could do anything else. Even mm-hmm. when and now, mm-hmm. and the girls that we work with, they're a pretty tight-knit family. You get pretty tight groups of girls that are friends. And, but even if one of them tries yeah. to get out, they get kind of pushed down by the other ones, saying you can't do oh, you it. Think you're you're yeah, you think you're better than us? You're not good enough. You think you're better? Instead yeah. of, you can do this, you can get out of this. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the things that we're really working on, is trying to put more people around them and more people in their life that are speaking encouragement, that are, that are ministering to them. Um, and that's mm-hmm. partially what Hope Center is about. Mm-hmm. That's actually perfect because that leads right into what I was going to ask you next. Yeah, no segregated. But just, yeah, like a lot of those classes, you can see how it's like some of the, the circumstances and how they find themselves in prostitution or the reasons that they're there are maybe different than, you know, here, different places around the globe. But the further in you go, the more the story is the same. Exactly. Um, I'm going to be here for a little bit or I'm going to, I need to, you know, medicate to make it through. All of these things end up becoming this kind of like, you know, general narrative that we hear, you know, mm-hmm. whether we're working with women here or there or anywhere in the world. Um, and you guys have, have been reaching out in some really tangible ways to these women and being really present in their lives. And um, I guess just tell us a little bit about what that has looked like and what that looks like now. You've like, I feel like every time I talk to you, there's some crazy, big, new, exciting thing. So, I mean, we'll probably have to, you know, do this again in like a few months because everything will be different again. <laughs> But just a few of the things that, that you've been doing to try to yeah, create, like you said, that support system and, and options, really just options, things where it's like you have more choices yeah. and make other choices. When we, when we first started going down, we really felt that all we were supposed to do is literally just go down the street, meet the girls where they are, um, not, right. to, not to take anything tangible or physical with us, but really just mm-hmm. to go down and offer bread and yeah. offer the father's love. It was a listening ear. It was, and that was, I think it was unusual for them because they've had people before that have come once and we'll do a one-time thing and they come down and hand out food or hand out something. And we really just mm-hmm. came down and just... And take some pictures. And we, yeah, <laughs> and we just spoke to them. We just, yeah. we would chat with them and then you and you, you start to find out, okay, well, what have we got in common that we can talk about? Well, we've got kids, you've got kids, and we've got this. We've got, 
Mm. So it took a little while for them to kind of understand what we were doing there because it was just because we kept coming back. Like, well, even after two weeks in, when we got robbed, like armed robbed on the street, oh, right? Yeah. You know, oh, and we gosh. came back. First part, I mean, we're you know naturally we're kind of impatient. We want things to go much quicker. Mm -hmm. and we want to be able to do something. We want to be able to open a big house and go. But no, the first like two years, it was really just just going being with, with them where they're at and spending time and getting to know them and building a relationship and yeah. and it and, got to the point that yeah. you know that we'd be on the streets. You know, we hadn't prayed yet. We'd be like just catching up and having conversation and they would let clients like go by like the cars would go by and do another circle around and then they'd be like now nah, he can wait you or they'd know? invite the client to come or pray. they'd be like you need prayer too they'd be shouting <laughs> at them you know they'd have a client waiting because they sometimes they actually do their stuff in the bush that's right on the side right. of the road and mm -hmm. you have a client go into the bush there and and waiting and he's like yelling and she's like yeah just wait i'm praying maybe you should come and get some prayer so, you know, we got Actually, one, one time we so had a wonderful. There's a, there was a group that was praying, and, and they've developed this culture down there, not us, but they developed this culture where if it, when we're going to pray, they invite other girls all to come in and everybody holds hands and, and kind of stand in this circle literally in the road. Mm. Cars are kind of going around us, and we're praying. And the one girl, she had a client on the phone, and she's like, oh, hang on, we're going to pray. And she just pops the phone <laughs> down her top here and she says, you can, you can pray too. And so we have one of the clients... <laughs> By a cell phone, praying with us as well. So that's so great. I'm sure you just see some of the most like miraculous, and also just these this like collision of two very, you know, what would appear to be very equal and opposite worlds in like mm -hmm. one space of just like yeah. this is happening, but at the same time also over there this is happening. Well, then after a while of, of being on the street, that's when you got the idea about. Yeah, day. I started feeling, we started, normally we start getting this nudge, we start getting this kind of like, not like an uncomfortable thing, but sort of like, okay, something's coming, something's coming. So we start praying, okay, what is it, God? What is the next thing? And he started, he started basically saying like, you need to, you're going to put a tent on the beach. And we were like, a tent? Like what? Like a, like what? I don't, you know what I mean? Again, and you're like, could you give me some more details? So <laughs> we started, we started praying about it. And the vision that I had was like a tent that was, that was uh, white. White was really important, um, and that there would be curtains on three sides, uh, and facing the ocean, just one street over from where they worked. And uh, what God started to show me was like a tent on the beach. And I still, I didn't have a complete vision. I'm like, could you give me some more details about that? And what I really felt like we were supposed to do was um, white. Things were supposed to be white. That was important. And we were supposed to basically create a space that felt like we were very far from where they worked. Um, so the three sides of the tent had curtains blocking out people's view because people are always kind of like yelling stuff at them and whatever. And for them to be able to kind of switch off and be able to come into a new space. And then it just faces the ocean. Um, we even put carpet down so that you're not on the sand. Um, and Can I come to this church? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, and then we had a table, you know, we had a table in there. We always served um, like homemade so like chocolate chip cookies and brownies are their absolute Very favorite um, and I you know sometimes I'd make something different but um, yeah so we were doing that once uh, once a month yeah we did that before COVID came along and squashed it but it was it was another step forward of mm -hmm. our relationship with them and their relationship with God like their their ability to be able to sort of let their guard down and um, and so we did we were doing that for quite a while it was also another way for 
other people to be able to get involved as well. Mm-hmm. It was because not many people are very comfortable just actually going down to the street because it is dangerous mm-hmm. and you know stuff can happen down there. Yes, it will. Um, so this was another way of, if other people wanted to visit and just kind of get an idea of what it was like, you know, hanging out with these girls. Mm-hmm. And that's how actually um, the couple that's working with us now, uh, Deanna and Wellington. That's how Deanna uh, started to get involved. In it. She came to attend. And, I mean, she, um, she couldn't come to the street. She was pregnant yeah. at the time. So she One day we'll get her to tell her story because she, like, it completely changed her whole view of these women by coming to the tent. So then after the tent, it was like, well, I want you to do a banquet. This was taking the women a step even further because this was going to happen sort of at the end of a work day. It was going to be longer than I just – because the tent, they would drop in for 10, 15 minutes, maybe 20, and then they would go back. To work the banquet was going to be more like hey you're going to be there for at least an hour dinner um it's going to be you know someone's going to come and speak there's going to be worship it was basically you know like a church service with food and so but we were just two people as well when we felt the nudge to do this and we were like how are we going to pull that off like just two of us so there was a there's a church that actually has their church on the beach down the same road at the end in a, and, in a building though. in a building but their building is like they're there where they do their church services it's on the second floor and it's all glass but it has it's so funny because it's like the tent somebody pointed out because it's curtains on on two sides and then the view of the ocean it's like that's crazy, so right? awesome right? Yeah. so um so we started talking about the fact that we're going to do this i started talking to you know deanna by this time was was involved and um and so she said, well, let me see, you know, what we can do. They were involved in a small home church. And so they pulled some people in. Shores of Grace sent some people mm-hmm. over. Uh, they, we ended up having a woman who has left the streets. She came and gave her testimony, which oh. is like way more powerful than oh, any message good. any of us are going to give. Um, yeah. And so we ended yeah. up with this. And hopefully we can send you a picture so you can show us while we're talking about it. But we ended up with this, like, incredible group of people that made it work and it was like one more time of god just saying just keep stepping forward and i am going to provide what you need just keep listening to me and you, doing what i you asked dengue you to. That time, no? oh yeah and i had just gotten over dengue all three like three of us in our home my naturally Bill <laughs> got it first and then i got it and then my daughter got it so my daughter was still in the middle of dengue when we were doing the the banquet it was crazy time but it was it was pretty awesome and we've done like we've we done got we we banquets. got to do two banquets and then COVID came and squashed it but um, oh. but oh, hopefully you can do another god. one god is god and that's how we ended up starting to do uh hope center so right. yeah so we started getting the nudge again which is always bad you know one of us thought, oh <laughs> feel something something going on um uh, yeah we started started getting this nudge because I mean to jump forward one of our ultimate goals is to be at a one of our big dreams is to be able to open a residential program um, where the girl, the girl will be able to come in for like a nine month to one year residential program for rehabilitation for counseling retraining you know oh. the, full, the full package to really help try and transform their life yeah. that's our big big dream mm-hmm. so we kind of like look at that going oh, that's, I don't even know how we get to that point and we have a connection with a group in Kentucky called um, Refuge for Women. And one of the guys on their board, uh, he talks to us regularly. We've got a, they're kind of sort of mentoring us uh, as we sort of move through some of this. And we were talking to him one day, and, he, and we could, 
through that conversation, came up with the idea about a drop-in center. And we've had the idea before, but it just kind of, we weren't sure how or when. And then we started. We needed the nudge. Yeah, we needed the nudge. And we started talking to him about it. And he said, no, that's a great idea. You should do that. You should just rent a space and do a drop-in center. We're like, yeah, I guess we should. So we just started looking. And next thing you know, we found this house, which is, it's close to where the girls work that we work with, but it's not really close. It's about a 20-minute walk. Mm -hmm. And we felt quite, quite important that it has to be accessible, but not too accessible. We've actually got to put a little bit of effort in to get to it. To be able to see uh, who's willing to put in the work. Who's willing, yeah. who's who is it really important to to come and, and do whatever we have doing, yeah. whatever we're doing. All the girls we talk to, if you say to them, do you want to leave the street? Yeah, 100% will say yes. Not one of them will say, yeah. no, I want to be here. But when you start putting opportunities in front of them, even simple ones, like just coming to a house that's 20 minutes walk away, not all of them are, are, are ready to do that kind of, make that kind of commitment. So we yeah. rented this house and we renovated it, needed some work, and again, that was the team, sort of this team that had started to build around us with Deanna Wellington and some other people from our small group that we were with, who came in and helped us decorate. We bought a bunch of furniture, and, and the idea was to set it up as a very comfortable space, like it was somebody's living room. Mm -hmm. it wasn't yeah. or anything. Yeah. So we had this lovely living room set up, and what we also meant to set up was one of the bedrooms we turned into like a clinic. So as a space um, that we had the idea that we want to be able to offer certain services to the girls. Mm -hmm. We weren't sure how that was going to happen, but again, God just kind of said, you know, if you start start doing this, things will start to happen. So we got the house, and then the next thing we have a, a general practitioner, a doctor, a gynecologist, a dentist, a psychologist, psychologist, all suddenly start coming to us. Saying, mm -hmm. oh, we want to be involved. We've heard about the project and we want to be involved. Thank like the, the gynecologist that's working with us, and she is amazing. She's been praying. Like she wanted to help these girls. She mm. wanted to be able to do something with these girls, but she had no oh, way to do it. There's nothing in the city. There's nothing like yeah. that for them. So. And then she oh finds out through us, through Deanna and Wellington, the couple yeah. working with us, they're, they're friends with her, and they find it. They start talking about it, and she's like, "I want to get involved." Yeah. So yeah. we we got the house ready, and we were going to do a big opening for the house. We we're going to have like invite people well, in. Well, this and is kinda, before we knew anything about any of these medical yeah, professionals. Yeah. So. And then. <laughs> We've been so yeah. busy renovating the house, we sat down with a meeting with our team and kind of said, they said, okay, this big opening kind of thing, what are we going to tell people we're actually doing in the house? <laughs> and we're like, like uh, mm. don't know that part yet. So yeah. we prayed about it, God <laughs> kind of said, you know what, just, just open the doors. That's when the, the help started to come. And we've seen nothing but more and more of that. Like the more we, mm -hmm. but we, the thing we keep hearing all the time is stay in step with me. Don't get ahead. Because mm -hmm. our like fleshly and just our personalities is more like we're going to run ahead. We're going to, you know, and it just keeps reminding us just stay in step with me. And that's been really hard too during COVID because oh. like we want to be doing more than we can right mm -hmm. now. Mm -hmm. you know, we're very limited yeah. in what we can do right now. So, and that's frustrating. I mean, pre-COVID. Pre what we had happening at the house was one day a week. It wasn't pre-COVID. It was during the break between actually, first and second yeah, wave of COVID. <laughs> I forgot that we actually got the house we during We got the house during COVID. COVID. Right. Crazy thing. But what we had initially running was one day a week was just an open house in the afternoon. Open, yeah. Just a drop in. There'd be snacks and some drinks and the girls could come in. Uh, that was the first thing we did. And we saw immediately 
Um, mm. When the girls came in, you just saw such a difference in them. Mm. They came mm. in, they sat on the couch, and they just relaxed. Oh, uh, yeah. They could, like, physically feel like they were somewhere where they could let their guard down, which I think yeah, is and they did. They just so important. They start to open up. Mm-hmm. And talking about stuff that they wouldn't normally talk about on the street, and they're just yeah. and staying for like, oh, like an hour, an hour and a half. One of them, and there's two there for like two hours, and that allows us the kind of time that we don't have on the street, that we didn't have in a tent, we don't have in a banquet, to really get into some deeper stuff with them, right? About mm-hmm. their life, about practical things, about spiritual things. It's you know. It, it's just, and we don't have a format. We don't do like, a, oh, today we're going to do a teaching on. No, it's very organic. <laughs> it's just, mm-hmm. just, just be. Come and just be. Come and yeah. sit, retreat prayer, have a snack. You know, it's air conditioned. So, and we have showers if they want to shower. Um, so, so, yeah. So then we, we set the clinic up with the medical thing. And the first one we had was the, the, the gynecologist that was interested in helping. Mm-hmm. And the girls were super excited about that. They were actually, ah. they really wanted to, they were, they were interested in that. So she, she set up, she came in, and it was amazing. Like, you know, she spent I mean, an hour with each of them. Yeah, this wasn't wow. just a quick clinical in and out thing. Yeah. She was like, in, and she's talking to them. And ministering to them. And the same thing with the general practitioner. When he was there, he came in and he had a friend who's a dentist. She came in at the same <laughs> time. And then they'd do the medical part, but then the next 45 minutes, they'd just sitting there praying Prayer. for the girls. And, mm. and the thing was, the girls... Coming to see the medical person at the house, everybody knows who does what. They know what they do for a job. They know so it's not this awkward kind of having mm. to go to a doctor and explain, well, mm. do they explain, don't they yeah. explain. Yeah. So they can just That's open true. it and be totally honest, which means it's much more effective for the doctors as well. And it's mm-hmm. funny, not just, you know, treating the physical side. It's the spiritual, mm-hmm. emotional, mental, everything. So. Then, we all, then we also just felt like we were supposed to do uh, a free store. Yeah. So we had some we had some clothes donated and some stuff that we had as well. So we thought, you know what, we didn't know if there'll be the girls would be interested or not. So we just we had another room there. We just set up as a like a little clothing store. But they yeah. come. We said, we said, you know, come, you know, if you if you're interested, take maybe like six items each. So there's plenty for everybody. Yeah, they pretty much ignored that. It just came in. We, we weren't even sure if they'd like it or not. They just came in and somebody donated. One of the friends of ours, she donated a whole bunch of stuff, clothes, but she had all these cushions. Like little cushions with hearts on and stuff, and she had yeah. bags of them. I think she'd been getting them since she was they a were kid. Gone. We didn't think so. <laughs> These girls were leaving with bags and bags of cushions. And yeah, so I mean, with all of the all of the things that you guys have been stepping into, one small step at a time, and and I'm sure that that comes with great challenges as well as um, just like really rewarding things as well. What are what are kind of some of the most or one of the most challenging? you know, things that you face and maybe one of the most rewarding and often those are kind of the same thing, but <laughs> yeah, I think, um, I think probably one of the most challenging thing is that, is that things never feel like they're moving as fast as you want them to. Yeah. Um, and the, but the most rewarding is, is when you do see, um, you know, one of the women expressing something that you've been speaking into their life or taking some some little steps forward that maybe a year ago she might not have done. Um, just for example, one of the women, um, she actually, when we met her, <laughs> she had an ankle bracelet. She was uh, supposed to be on house arrest. 
and uh, she had like um, wrapped it in foil so she could still leave the house because she had two kids to feed and a mom with depression and so very resourceful, very resourceful. <laughs> so she actually um, she she's done her time. She you know finished out her sentence and everything, and mm. um, and then the, the the government actually has a program where you can register to um, get a possible jobs through the government for people who are you know, who've been incarcerated and were out. And, um, and she actually, she got herself to where she needed to go to register. She, she did all of those yeah. steps, which I was impressed with because a lot of the times, anything like that, it's yeah. just, it's like, there's so much going on up here that doing something like that just doesn't happen. So mm-hmm. I was pretty impressed with that. The hardest bit to get used to is, is not getting super disappointed when, when you do certain things and you put opportunities in front of people mm. and they don't take them, it's it's not. It, it's yeah. trying to understand. You really, I mean, I can't understand the trauma and yeah. the, the the stuff that these girls have been through. Mm. So I have to understand that it's not ungrateful or it's not yeah. when they don't take opportunities that we're trying to help mm-hmm. them. With, it's just a process. Mm-hmm. It's just you got to yeah. you got to work through it. You got to understand. You got to you know. Okay, so. If they don't take this opportunity, then we've got to go further back and find out what will they, what, how can we help them? Yeah, yeah, understanding how to help people is, is the hardest mm. part. You can say, hey, look, I've done this, and you, here's a job. Mm. And they might, no, I don't want it, or I'm not going to take it. And, and you yes, feel kind of, like, you think, well, why wouldn't you? Yeah. To me, it looks like a great idea, but I'm not yeah. inside their head. <laughs> I can't understand where, they're, where they've been and where they're coming from. Yeah. So trying to, that's yeah. the hardest part, I think trying to it's just trying to understand better how you can help mm-hmm. and it's it's very much playing the long game like it's realizing that that the actually probably the most impactful thing that you will ever do for these women is stay <laughs> and you know not walk out and not whether whether or not they you know take the the opportunities that are put in front of them or not it's it's the like staying and being like consistently like authentically present but that is like that can feel like the least rewarding thing ever so probably what um some people may or may not know is that our coffee company and your organization hope ministries are partnered together um for the last year and uh, a portion actually i have a little surprise for you as of this year all of our profits are coming to you guys. Um, <laughs> there's been a little uh, shift in in what we're doing locally. So for the time being, because that's in a very transitional period, we are going to be filing everything, which I've been feeling for a while, but had the big discussion <laughs> with our team and they were like, yes, like, absolutely, what? that makes wow. sense. And we're like, oh, yes, awesome. you go. So, oh, um, so yay. So yeah, all of our profits, you. oh you're the God. first to know. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I'm really, really excited about that because I really do feel like a lot of things, like we're coming to being able to actually start some of the things that we have been dreaming and wanting to do. But right now, all of our profits are going, um, our, wow. our percentage of our profits are going yeah. to your um, ministry. And we are stoked to be doing that. And I guess what we want to know is what does what does the partnership, what does that mean to you guys? And does it mean any does it matter? Like, you know, like we're sometimes you, you wonder if we're you like our, our clients are buying our coffee and they right. they're doing it because they have this heart to make a difference. Well, does it? 
is what yeah. everyone wants to absolutely. know, you know? So absolutely. please be honest with us. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, it absolutely does. I give, a good way of describing this is when we first moved to Rombasso, we were we didn't have the funding we actually needed to move here. So we went on furlough, mm-hmm. we were back in Cambridge talking to people there. Even and we had tickets to come back, yeah, we, we didn't have the funding. We knew that it was God was supposed to. So, but <laughs> when we spoke to people, we had to be very honest with our church kind of thing because we started getting questions from people thinking, you know, our church gave us this huge funding and everything was paid mm. for this. And so then the best thing we did with our fundraising stuff was we actually did a pie chart. I say we, Jen, did the pie chart. <laughs> and it showed where our funding came from. Mm. And there was, you know, we have a couple of churches that do help us. But at the time, I think it was 85% of our funding came from individual donors, mm. like small funding. You know, so yeah. it was, you know, so so people would say, oh, well, I could only do, I can only do this oh, much, I've done a little bit, it won't, it won't make a difference. Yeah. No, it made 85% difference. Mm, that's like, so good. And that's just the financial side of it. That's literally just, just yeah. the, the physical financial side, that we couldn't do any of this without that financial side. Mm. But what comes with that financial side is the accountability and the responsibility to us, to our donors. It, that's our team. That's all part of this huge team that we mm. have. It's not just us here. Yeah. We know we're not alone in this, mm-hmm. right? And that makes mm-hmm. a huge difference. You need that much bigger team of people that are taking whatever they can afford to, to send to you to be able to do this work. And it's a huge blessing mm-hmm. for us to be able to do this. It's a real mm-hmm. get-to, not a have-to. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But we know we're responsible to those mm-hmm. and to you and yeah. to your people that buy your coffee. And, you know, so that every tiny little bit keeps us like what keeps what keeps us going. We had mm-hmm. yeah, like last year, um, you know, we had a we had a near burnout. Uh, I'm in, in January. And I mean, there's a whole backstory to that that has very little to do with the actual ministry that we're doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but. We would not have gotten through that without knowing that we had the support and the prayers of all the people that are in Canada, in the U.S., wherever people are. Um, We would not have been able to get through that. We knew that we had, first of all, obviously Jesus carrying Mm -hmm. us, but that there's this huge, you know, this, this, well, it's not huge, but it's a big pool of people (laughs) that, you know what I mean, that are supporting us, that that have got our backs. Um, you know, supportive, supportive emotionally as well. Um, but yeah, it's, it's 100% like makes it awesome. Um, so I want to just kind of let everyone in on a little bit of our corporate dreaming here on kind of what we are hoping to do in the future. And this is all very like conceptual and I very much um, understand where you're coming from with the like, here's the big idea. And I'm like, hey, here's the like six things we're going to do to get it done. And like mm-hmm. all of them will fail. And then yeah. I'm like angry. And then yeah. all of a sudden, like something happens and it just works. And so like yeah. last year, I was supposed to come <laughs> see you guys be in Brazil, scout out the scene. And um, yeah, so like part of what of what we're wanting to do is is the kind of sustainability project of actually opening a roasting and coffee mm. something yeah. to also like um that the girls can work in if they want to and like yeah I mean what do you like what's kind of your side of that of what you kind of are hoping that will do I mean this is our like this is yay what we want to do uh, but like, what does that look like what would that mean for you guys there since the very beginning of the ministry God's always given us a bigger picture down the road and it's just 
more like putting us on a leash to keep us in step with him, like I said. Um, but part of that dream, long before we met you, long before we knew anything about Wild Ginger, was that we wanted to have something um, alongside of the ministry that's a business that will help to, A, help to sustain the ministry within the country and also provide employment for women who want to get out. So, I mean, it's it's a perfect marriage, really. Yeah. And that's, like, all we want to do. So, like, yeah. I thought that it was going to be in Africa, to be honest. So, like, I don't even know. Uh, I just, there's so many ways I uh, thought this was going to look, and I, I didn't know what it was going to And I still don't, really, but anyway. Yeah. It's like we plant a little seed in our heart, uh, and we kind yeah. of paint a picture of it, but then he goes, Hello. Oh. <laughs> Now, but it's gonna be good but I mean, yeah that's the thing is it's always amazing in the end you know even if it doesn't look anything like almost any never. of us thought it would yeah literally never <laughs> not even almost a little bit um it's always so amazing so i'm really really excited to hopefully keep moving towards that and hopefully yeah. be able to come down and 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 be able to set that up and and have um employment opportunities for women and that's a big part of you know what we're doing with our percentage of what we're wanting to give back is to eventually, you know, be able to do things like get a roaster and do the things. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you live on the beach, so I'm not I sure why I, what I'm waiting for. But I, I mean, I'm sitting on the beach in my backyard right now, but it's not the same. There's way less water. I've seen your beach the kiddie place. pool is small. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, so, I mean, our big plan, when we talk about the residential program, Along with that, our big plans is we'd love the project to be as much self-sustainable as it can, as it can be. And yeah. the, the, the sort of the main part of that is businesses. We want to be, yeah. I mean, we know that's not, we're not business people. <laughs> but we know there's people like yourself that, yeah. that, that do run businesses that, that are willing to get involved. And I'm sure, and we know there's people here as well that... We already have somebody in mind. Yeah, we've got some people in mind here that are entrepreneurs. <laughs> but we would love... Yeah, we'd love for the for the things like okay. coffee business or any other businesses yeah. we can we can actually get involved yeah. and run to, to help support or ideally completely support the project. Mm -hmm. yeah. And then and any any amount of um, like work experience for the women too, even if it's not something they want to do for their whole lives, it's like it gets you build a resume, you get experience, and you exactly. do the reference, and you like learn this. It's just all you know part of that. And maybe it is something they want to do forever, but maybe it's not, and that's why you need. I love that. Like that's yeah, that's something I've often thought is having like this a myriad of, of choices of things where you yeah. can you can work in this place for you know like how many opportunities do these women have to try different occupations, yeah. especially exactly. as single moms with kids. What are they? Where yeah. what are those opportunities going to look like? Right. Also, yeah. what it does for their for their self esteem and their well being mm -hmm. to to be able to work a normal job where somebody isn't abusing me where I just yeah. get to go mm -hmm. and I work and I get a paycheck and I learn how to be responsible. And I mean, because all the, the, you know, there's so much that gets in, in, included in not just getting a job, it's getting mm -hmm. a job, helping them with their psychological side of things, budgeting, budgeting, how to run a household, how to yeah. parent, how to, but all of that comes into it. But the self-esteem that you get from actually having a job. Mm -hmm. That's, you're like speaking my language. I'm, not, I'm pretty sure I have a document somewhere in the vicinity of my laptop where like when I first 
kind of was dreaming about this. Co- I thought I was just going to wow. start a coffee shop. There's nothing, yeah. and I, I, I should find it because, like, and it doesn't look anything like what I'm doing right now, but it looks a lot like a very similar, you know, idea. And I think that's just because this is what this is what the women need. This is what yeah. is going to like give them a space and give them every chance that there is. Exactly. So, and to work and to work somewhere where people understand where they're coming from and have the patience to invest in them yeah because often they have to learn just like i mean i've heard other women that have come out of you know the sex industry talk about how i needed to learn how to have normal conversations i needed to know like just social etiquette things that in their circles things that might be okay that's not going to work in your in your you know your workplace and things but some jobs would be just like, yeah, no, you're out. Whereas, it's like it has to be employment with like this like extra dose of grace on the side exactly. and understanding of like, no, this is literally like why you're here, why we're doing this is not for you to climb the corporate ladder or to also make yeah. to make our millions. It is for you to like gain the skills that you need to like Advanced. live your life like, exactly. you know, and like enjoy it. Uh-huh. Um, so what is, what's one thing or whatever, as many things as you want, but one thing that you have learned, um, about the sex industry through your experiences that, that you would want other people to understand that maybe don't know much about it. Is there something that's like stuck out to you? Like, man, this is something I did not expect or it's something that I already knew, but it's something that I really want people to understand. Either here and you know in Brazil and in other countries, and the fact that is that none of these girls want to be doing this. Mm. People get an idea. Well, they chose this. They like it, or they. Oh, they, some of them like it. Some, some of them, them like it. They must like. No, mm. none of them. Mm. I've never met a girl that that wants to be doing mm. this kind of work. Nobody, nobody dreams when they're a little girl to grow up and be a prostitute. Mm. Nobody. Yeah. Nobody. Or boy. Yeah. That's not a dream. That's not a thing you want to do. Mm. Not one. And that's like that's kind of the, the interesting thing is like even even if you you know do come across someone who does say like yes like I love I love what I do or I like or you ask somebody do you like your job and they say yes how many times do you ask like any of us do you like your job we say yes and we're like three days later we just like hate our lives at our job like it's not a to just ask that que- it's such a surface question that like you can't really gauge where somebody's at on that level of whether or not they actually want it. Like, even if you get, can get that answer out of somebody that's so multi-layered that it's like, you may, that might be something that is, that you feel today, but it's very transient in this, you know? When it comes to prostitution, because it's involving sex and Mm -hmm. people view sex as being something pleasurable, they assume that the girls are are gaining some pleasure or some enjoyment out of this. And it's it's completely Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, you're trying to let people understand this is abuse every single day. Somebody's pain. Mm-hmm. That's, mm-hmm. that's really all. And I think, like you said, you know, maybe yeah. they might ask them, they might say they like it. Well, the thing, the thing that we have to understand is in order to survive um, being in that line of work, you have to dissociate. You have to create an entirely different person um, as, a, as an outer layer to, like, protect the inner person. Um, and so that maybe that outer person has convinced themselves <laughs> that 
they like what they mm-hmm. do. They're, they're owning it. This is me. But inside, whenever we start, you know, going deeper with these girls and, you know, letting them take off that layer, what you find underneath is not anybody who, you find somebody who's just like, help, like, get me out of here. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's why it's so important to get past just what that surface is. That's why it's important to stick around. It's important to not just ask, well, do you want to be here? Yeah. Cool. Peace out. You know, like there's, it's like, okay, like, well, tell me what else is going on. Like, you know, or what, you know, just, just to keep going with that because you don't know um, really what's going on. Exactly. And that doesn't happen in a five minute conversation. I mean, we have known some of these women now for four years four years ago told me they wanted out and four years later they're still in and so that for me is one of the most challenging things it's like Mm. uh, you know what I mean you feel on this side because you know I'm relatively uh healthy I'm like but if you just did this this and this your life could be so much different if you just you know give it to Jesus and okay there's a challenging thing here yeah so here like you might find in North America, there's a lot more resistance to talk about Jesus. Well, here you have mm-hmm. the opposite. There, I'm a Christian. All of mm-hmm. them say they're Christians. All of them say they've given their heart to Jesus. They read their Bible. They listen to worship music. They feel like they are already there. So then how do you bring somebody into the understanding that if you, if you really are there and you're really, really walking with Jesus, you wouldn't be able to continue with what you're doing. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where, I mean, you can you can want something for somebody else so badly, right down to an actual relationship with Jesus that's transformative, mm-hmm. but you cannot do it for someone. Yeah. Like, and I think that's the that's the hard thing is it's like yeah. it's it's the like I want you to be able to experience this kind of this kind of freedom, but I exactly I can't. I can't, I can't pull you along and, and, and make you do it. And, and, and I think we can all find ourselves in that same, in a similar situation to them of, of being like, no, like I'm there, I'm good. Like, and then it's like, no, you're not half the time. You're like, right. Like we're, we're really not, we're really not so different. And I think that's the thing that the, the longer, the more time you spend with really anyone, you, you find out. We're really all just <laughs> trying to figure it out, and you know, same crap, different piles, right? It's just exactly, it manifesting exactly. in different ways. Um, so, I just have uh, one final question um, because you can tell a lot about a person by how they take their coffee. Um, I call this the four W's of the. Oh no, are you about to say you don't drink coffee? Because this no, conversation. Are you <laughs> I was like, I assume that's not true. The four W's of coffee. So basically, if you could have your coffee exactly the way you like it, who would you be drinking it with? What would you be drinking? Where would you drink it? And when? Like time of day, time of year? What's your just like set set up for me? The like, this I, is... I, I'm going to go first with my coffee. Right. My, my idea is <laughs> much simpler. I'm a very simple person. I, I won't even say where I would normally get my coffee from because I get cold off of that. But I just like a medium double double. <laughs> oh, Phil, we have got to get a roaster and an actual espresso I, machine. I, I, no, we are. Jenna's educated now. much better in the ways of better coffee. No, I like 
Bless you, Dad. I do like it with milk. I like it strong. Mm -hmm. I don't like chaffee, as they call it here. When you have, Chanty. You know, so chaffee like, oh, like, like a, a really weak coffee. Weak coffee. No, I like a nice strong coffee with milk, but I do like a couple of sugars in it. And the place and the person, this is going to sound really snappy, but I do love sitting here with Jen. We sit on our porch. We drink coffee every morning. You guys are cute. And that's, that's my favorite place to drink coffee. That's awesome. Jen? My turn or my turn? I think I would, I mean, I love just a strong cup of coffee. However, if I'm going to, like, order something, you know, then I want, like, a caramel macchiato. And if I could choose anywhere, then I would want to be, like, probably, like, in the Masai Mara, early in the morning, sun's coming up with this guy. He's yes. Nervous. Um, <laughs> elephants and giraffes. And yes. Yeah, you know, we get parrots. That, uh, we, get, we get a lot of cats. Not yeah. big cats. Small cats. We have our cats. It's not quite the same. But, yeah, um, if I could pick anywhere to be, yeah, I'd be, like. Yeah, literally anywhere. That's where I would be. But with, definitely with him. But Nice save. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, thank you guys so much for doing this. Um, thank you. This has been so good. Um, I just, I love, obviously love both of you and, and what you're doing. And I cannot wait to like get my butt down there whenever that actually yeah. works out. And see if we can, yeah, see if this dream becomes something i don't know i love the connection because i re we remember like coming over to your place uh -huh. and we're kind of like well this is kind of how do we like how do we know these guys but i think this is showing on the video because they they're already doing this they do yeah. this in cambridge so like, to, it's just more of like you know like, we're encouraging each other because we're both in the same yeah. we're just kind of like this is, and then you know. i wonder where this is going to go yeah and so many times in our lives we've been to things where we turn up going what why are we doing this one and then it turns into something amazing so yeah. It's very cool. I'm just super excited to see where this ends up going. Yeah, really excited. Okay, honestly, how amazing are Jen and Phil? I hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. And if you want to find out even more about what they have going on in Brazil, you can always check out their website at hopeministries.ca. You can find them on Instagram, all the places. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss any other amazing conversations. Also, head over to wildgingercoffee.com to get your coffee orders in. Guys, you need it for the summer, for the cottage, for all the things, for life, let's be honest. Don't forget to share this episode with a friend or a family member that you think might enjoy it. And you can always, always tell us what you think. We'd love to hear from you. As always, thanks for being part of the Wild and Free family. We couldn't do it without you. I love you guys. Till next time.